0: Is to uh, to pray so I would like you to join me in prayer as we seek our holy father's guidance Lord God thank you so much for the day we thank you for uh, life and love and abundance that you give us so much uh, we just lift you up today we ask for a special anointing of your blessing we ask that the words that are spoken uh, through scripture and through inspiration of the Holy Spirit would just touch our lives and change us, um, inspire us, make us bold through who you are and what you're doing in our lives. So, Lord, we invite you here today. We invite you in our hearts uh, that you may do a wonderful work in our lives. And we lift up your high and holy name. Amen. Would you all stand with me? We're going to continue inviting him through prayer, uh, through the Holy Spirit. Thank you.
1: I hold you, the veil tore before you, you silence the voice of sin.
0: Jesus, what you've done for us, we cannot comprehend, and we thank you, Lord God in heaven, Father, that you would sacrifice for us in order that you may call us your children. We lift up your name, for we are in awe of you, for we don't deserve it, but we love you for it. We thank you for loving us as a fatherly example of how we are to love. And, Lord, how great you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the world's thy hand hath made
1: I see the stars I hear the rolling thunder thy power throughout the universe display then sings my soul my savior God to thee scarce can take it in, and on that cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin, and sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee
0: all need God in so many ways, um, just think about the fact uh, of Father's Day, and, and a song that I've heard, it's, it's, it's new for the, this service, but <laughs> I mean, it's old for this service kind of era, but uh, and it's called Lead Me, and I, I, I wanted to, I want to recognize, first of all, uh, I want to recognize all of the fathers, so everybody who is a father, please stand, you know who you are. You know, I don't. it's hard to get these men uh, and all these uh, men to stand up like this. But, you know, uh, what an honor and a privilege it is that you have before you the responsibility of being a father. And, um, and inherent with that responsibility is being a husband, uh, being good at what you do so that you can be a provider, being the emotional, being everything that you, you need, that your family needs. Um, also, at this time, I want to, because I want to pray, I want to pray for fathers today, but I also want to pray, if you are, are a man, I want you to stand. Uh, man, men, y- young men, uh, older, just, uh, if you're a man, please stand. Because what I'd like to do is, we need to r- realize, I think, as men, uh, that we are under attack. And in a bad way, Um, the family is under attack and there's so many different things. And I want us to I want the whole congregation to pray for you um, because past, present or future, you are a father or a father figure because you you, if you're not yet, you will be. And everywhere you are, you're leading where you are. And so you need prayer because you're under attack. So we're going to pray for you right now. Father, thank you, Father God in heaven, thank you for for the things that you have placed in our lives, for the trials, for the difficulties that create in us strong, willing people to go out, men to go out and, and proclaim your name and to live a life worthy of the calling. I want to ask for forgiveness for us right now because in so many ways, everyone here just being human, but being men in particular ways, are there's been a challenge. There's been a lot of challenges. And so I just want to pray that you would strengthen us everywhere that we are through your Holy Spirit. That you would help change our lives. You would open our eyes to just how important it is to be, to walk out of these doors and be the men that you call us to be. It's a rocky journey. But Lord... Through your Holy Spirit and through your power, you give us that strength. So we thank you for that in advance. And I want to thank you for every man here and what they mean and what you have for them and your purpose in their lives. So we ask this in the name of Jesus, that you would give them power and strength to be who they were meant to be. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. See their faces Look in their innocent eyes They're just children From the outside I'm working hard I tell myself They'll be fine They're independent But on the inside I can hear them Say it. Lead me With
1: strong hands still." Can't, don't leave me. Hungry for love, chasing dreams. But what about us? Show me you're willing to fight, that I'm still the love of your life. I know we call this our home, but I still feel. Oh, Father, give me the strength To be everything I'm called to be Oh, Father, show me the way To lead them Won't you lead me To
0: lead them With strong hands To stand up When they can't, don't want to leave them
1: Hungry for love, chasing things That I could give up, I'll show them I'm willing to fight and give them The best of my life so we can Call this a home, need me Cause I can't do this alone Father, lead me, cause I can't do this alone.
2: Alright, well good morning everyone. Welcome to Louisa Baptist Church. We are so glad that you are here. I want to especially welcome our guest. We've got one here on the front row this morning. Um, part of my sermon illustration last week was talking about groundhogs and, and how much I love groundhogs. And so one shows up this morning. I'm glad that I didn't tell you about my second fear, which was snakes, because uh, that could have been bad. Um, Um, Well, good morning. I want you to turn with me in your Bible to Judges chapter 6. The words will also be on the screen. Uh, And we're going to kick off this morning by reading one verse um, in Judges chapter 6. And this is going to be verse number 6. Listen to what the word says. It says, so Israel was brought very low. Someone say very low. Very low. Uh, You should underline those words. Israel was brought very low because of Midian and the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. Today I want to teach a message called the low points, the low points that Israel was brought very low. And today we're going to be talking about the low points of your story. Now, there, there are elements that, that kind of make a, a great story a great story, right? And, and one of these elements that makes a, a great story a great story is the element of conflict. Now, now uh, we all love seeing conflict in other people's stories, right? But we don't so much like, like it in our own stories. Amen? Amen? Amen. We don't like conflict in our stories, now, now, way back in seventh grade, my English teacher told me that there's a couple of important characters in every story. The first is the protagonist, right? Anybody remember, you've got the protagonist, and if you have a protagonist, uh, you also have an antagonist. The antagonist will enter into the story, and, and he's going to kind of cause some conflict there. He's going to get in the path of the protagonist, and, and sometimes the, the antagonist is, it's sometimes a person, sometimes it's like a group of people, sometimes it's just an idea, and sometimes it's even the mindset of the protagonist in, in that they have to work through, like they're their own worst enemy. But every great story has conflict, and it comes when this antagonist gets in the path of the protagonist, and, what, and from that comes the conflict, and, and the conflict kind of leads to the low point, and with the low point will come pain, which is inevitable in every story. You know, in the world of Facebook, for example, Facebook has a couple of hooks that you may not be aware of. And I'm going to educate you on those a little bit here this morning. And and I love Facebook. I think that it is a uh, it's a great tool to build community. It can be a very impactful ministry tool. But but one hook that you guys need to be aware of with Facebook is that it has the comparison hook, the comparison trap. If you've ever wondered, when you get off Facebook and you like feel more miserable than what you did before you logged in, it's probably because you spent the last hour of your life that you'll never get back comparing your story to the stories of others. And what you see is the highlight reel of everyone else's life, but you see your behind the scenes. You don't see their behind the scenes. So they took a cool vacation. Your vacation wasn't as cool. You know, she, she got a piece of jewelry for Christmas, and, and my husband didn't get me anything nearly that cool. Uh, you know, like, we, we fall into this comparison hook, this comparison trap on Facebook, and it makes us miserable sometimes. But the other hook that Facebook offers us is the drama hook, right? You see drama unfolding all over Facebook. And you get into this drama of other people's lives. And, you know, sometimes that makes you feel better about yours, you know. Uh, but the point is that it pulls you in, right? It, it pulls you in. It's that, that drama hook of, of Facebook. So, so there's also all these great movies that they have conflicts, right? So, so you've got your, your protagonist and your antagonist. And, and these are like all the great movies that you know, right? So characters like, uh, like Marty, Marty McFly, right? So Marty had Biff. In the Sandlot, you've got Smalls, and you've got his group of friends, and their antagonist was the Beast, the big dog. And, you know, in Star Wars, you have Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader. And, and, I mean, all of the protagonists, they have antagonists. And with the antagonist, there is some tension, and then, then the conflict will come in, and with the conflict will come the pain. The point is that every great story has great conflict And with great conflict will come low points, and with low points comes this pain. And we spend so much of our time trying to avoid the pain and move around the pain and forget the pain. But I've got a thought this morning when it comes to your story that that I'm just going to throw out there. And I want you to see these words on the screen. What if at your lowest, you're actually closest to a revelation of what God wants to accomplish with your life, I think that's a good question. Let me say it again. I want to leave this up here for you to see. What if at your lowest, you're actually the closest to a revelation of what God wants to accomplish with your life? You see, with great pain, it's easy to get so fixated on the problem and caught up in the drama, and then get paralyzed by by the pain. And it's hard to imagine, it's hard to know, like, like how can I ever move forward out of this? How, let alone, like, how could God use this? But what if in our low point of the story, we're actually closest to a revelation of what God wants to accomplish in our lives? With, with the vision He wants to insert into your story. For me, I feel like I can find a low point in my story just about every day, somewhere in that beautiful chaos of my daily schedule. And, and this is why uh, I'm so passionate, and I've heard so many pastors preach, they're so passionate about daily quiet times. And I've been working on that myself, and you'd be amazed at, at the order and the peace that it'll bring to your heart, and to your relationships, to your marriage, to your career, to your education, to your finances, and every area of your life. And I spoke last week about the enemy kind of aiming for the head in that our daily quiet time with the Lord is our way of saturating our minds with the truth over the lies of the enemy. And, and you know, this quiet time, and I especially say this about marriage, like marriage does not fix your problems, amen? Like. If you're out there, if you're not married yet, and you're out there thinking, like, when I get married, that it's all going to be fixed, uh, let me tell you, that's that's not how this works, okay? Like, marriage is one of God's greatest sanctifying tools on the face of the earth, but marriage will not fix your problems. And I've heard it said like this, and it's so true. A wise man said that most problems in marriage, they're not really marriage problems. They're individual problems. There are individual problems that that were brought into the marriage unresolved. Jim Collins is the author of Good to Great, and some of you have studied him. And he says this, that mediocrity is chronic inconsistency. And that is exactly what my heart looked like in my marriage. Outside of my relationship with God, entrepreneurship has been the next greatest priority that I have dedicated my life to. Luke 10.27 says that our greatest commandment is to love the Lord with all of our strength and, and then to love our neighbors, right, as ourselves. And I've owned that. If, if you've ever owned a business, you know that you have to be all in, right? Like, y- you got to be committed. It's not just a job. It's a responsibility to love your neighbor. A responsibility so much so that your livelihood, your personal finances, your personal reputation, all of that intertwines, and there's this weight of responsibility that, that kind of commands itself to the top of your priorities. That's that trap that I fell in. And it didn't take long for me to realize that my love for, for people that, that I had translated into that responsibility of entrepreneurship was in a higher priority than love for myself, and more importantly, higher priority than the way that I showed love to my wife. An individual problem disguising itself as a marriage problem. And this may be a struggle for for a lot of us, even if you don't own a business. We've just got that responsibility. We have those things that take that precedent. And we're trying to balance work and personal and responsibility and appreciation. And one night after my wife and I went through the harsh words, and after we went through the tears, I found myself in a full out sob thinking about this overwhelming task of balancing priorities, and I cried out to the Lord for help. And the Lord reminded me of this promise, this promise that came from my wedding vows that I promised to my wife, and I quote, that a day will never go by without you knowing how much you are loved. Because of the gracious and goodness of our Father in heaven, it is the greatest privilege of my life to make these vows to you. And I prayed to God, I don't know the answers, God. I don't know how I'm going to do it all, God. But your word says, Galatians 2:20, that the burdens I have, they've been crucified with Christ, and I live by faith of the Son of God. I need your help, God. I need you to lead me. I need you to help lead me so I can lead my marriage the way you would have me to lead it. You know, that cry, that prayer it was a cry for vision. God, give my marriage some vision. Give me some vision. Because because what happens is that everything follows after vision. God, give our marriage some direction. Give my heart some direction. G- give us a couple, as a couple, some some direction, God. Something that we can aim at. And I'm telling you that God began to and is still answering that prayer today. I'm so thankful for that. And that's why I'm so passionate about like young men. Get, get the vision before you get into the marriage. Or, or like young couples, get a vision early on and take aim at something in your life now before, before years go by in, in a struggle that's not even necessary. But look, here's the deal. We could talk about dysfunction all day, right? I mean, we've got plenty of it we could talk about. But back to the question. What if in the low point of your story, we're actually closest to a revelation? of what God wants to accomplish in and through us. You see, God will never waste our pain. He will never waste our circumstances. He will never waste the low points in your story. So here's what we see happening in in Judges chapter 6. In verses 7 through 10, which we're not going to read this morning, in verses 7 through 10, God calls Israel back to repentance. He's saying, return to me. Now, there are some low points in the story that happens that, that, that we have nothing to do with, right? Like there are decisions that others have made about us, that others made uh, that have impacted us, and that we have nothing to do with. However, there are some low points in our story that are a direct result of the sin that we have committed, that we've lived out. There are consequences that come as a result of sin. And sometimes low points come because of that. Either way, I've got good news for you. God wants to redeem the low points in your life. What if at your lowest, you're actually closest to a revelation of what God wants to accomplish with your life? You see, what happens here is after God calls the nation of Israel to repentance, then God, in his word, kind of zooms in now on this character named Gideon. So, so we go from this big picture of Israel now to like this zoomed-in uh, view uh, of what God wants to accomplish in our low points. And let me explain. It says here, verse number 11, it says, Then the angel of the Lord came and said under the oak, That was an Ophrah. Now, that's Ophrah, not Oprah. Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abysserite, as his son Gideon, so here's Gideon, was threshing wheat in the winepress in order to save it from the Midianites. Now, now Gideon was a farmer and an agriculturalist, and and I'm not going to go into this long agricultural explanation uh, other than what you simply need to know is this. In verse number 11, it shows us that Gideon was operating out of fear. It shows us he's operating out of fear. He's, he's controlled by this fear. He's gripped by this fear. And how do you know this? Because typically, wheat is threshed on the top of a hill where there would be wind. And, and, and what would happen is it was tossed into the air, and the wind would carry away the shaft, and it would carry away that which was useless, and the wheat, which had value, would drop to the ground, so the wind would aid in that, and, and what we read here is that Gideon was threshing wheat down by the wine press, which would mean he was kind of down in a low place, in a private place of hiding. And so we see here that Gideon's operating out of fear. I mean, he's like at a low point literally and figuratively, which is ironic given that we read in verse number 12, Verse number 12 says this. The angel of the Lord appeared to him, appeared to him, and he said, The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. Now is God being sarcastic here? I mean, this guy's hiding. O valiant warrior. I don't think so. And I, I'm not a huge fan of like that rude, sarcastic humor. I don't know about you guys. Um, but I don't think that's what God is doing here. I mean, Gideon is known for being kind of timid and cowardly. But God's not teasing him. I mean, he's not throwing his fear up in his face. He's not patronizing him. Oh, valiant warrior. I mean, the man is down in the valley trying to thresh wheat. Let me tell you what I believe God is doing here. I believe that God in this verse, he's speaking vision over Gideon and who he will become. He's speaking vision. What if in our lowest points we're actually closest to a revelation of what God wants to accomplish in our lives? What if that, that pain that you've been avoiding, that you've been trying to skirt around, that you've been trying to suppress, uh, like, that you've been trying to forget about, what if that's the very thing that God wants to take it and leverage it and redeem it and use it towards the vision that he has for your life? I mean, we've all been through pain, and we know like, like how, the, the feel, how it feels to try to avoid it at all costs. And what if that's the very thing that God wants to bring you face-to-face with and take it and leverage it for His good, for His glory, and for His kingdom? And you know, I think that, that there's an important lesson that, that we need to get out of what we read here in verse number 12. The most important thing about you is how God knows you and sees you. Let that sink in. The most important thing about you is how God knows you and sees you. The most important thing is not about what you think of yourself. You realize that, right? Like, the most important thing about you is how God knows you and He sees you. Your spirit And what I love about this uh, in verse number 12 is that God speaks vision over the life of Gideon. And and as he speaks this vision, it's a vision that flows out of the character and the nature of God. Like what, what God speaks over the life of Gideon, this vision that he gives him, it flows out of the character and the nature of who he is. The most important thing about you is how God knows you and how he sees you. A lot of us spend our lives not feeling very lovable. And you know that, that the fact of the matter is, I'm so thankful that God does not love me because I'm lovable, because I'm not lovable. God loves me because He is love, 1 John 4.8. He, he loves me, His love for me, it doesn't hinge on my performance. His love for you does not hinge on your performance. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. There's nothing you can do. To make him love you any more or make him love you any less. Your failure, your shame, all of that stuff, none of it has caught him by surprise. He loves you not because of who you are, but because of who he is. Because he must be true to his character and his nature. And that's good news for us. 1 John 4, 8, God is love. I thank God that that he forgives me not because I deserve forgiveness but because of the person and the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. I thank God that I don't have to walk around and live in chains to live in shame, to kind of spin around in that wheel, to live in that regret, to live in my past failure or be bound up by my sin. I thank God because of who he is that I can stand on the promise of Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is no condemnation to those who are in Jesus Christ. You see, it's about His character and His nature. It's out of that that God speaks vision over our lives. He speaks purpose over our lives. God doesn't give us vision because we proved to Him that we deserved it. He gives us vision because of Hebrews 12, 2, says God's character and nature is that he is the author and the finisher of our faith. God knows how to write a good story. He knows how to write a great story with your life. But the story that he wants to write in your life, it includes the low points. That's a part of the story. The points that we try to hide, the points that, that we wish we could forget, the points that keep hanging over us. You need to know that God is a redeeming God. Amen? Redemption is a part of every great story. And the very thing that you feel like is your biggest failure, God said, I'm going to reach into that. I'm going to speak life over you, and and I'm going to allow my words to become the defining force of your life. You know that His Word is greater than all of your feelings, all of your failures, all of your regret, all of that. His Word is greater. His word is bigger. His word is what defines who we are. And so as God speaks over Gideon, he speaks vision. And you know what? If, if at our lowest, what if at our lowest we are closest to a revelation of what God wants to accomplish in our lives? The Bible tells us, Psalm 34, that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed, uh, who, who are a crushed spirit. What if at your lowest you're closest to that revelation of what God wants to accomplish with your life? I think back to the night that, that I spent over an hour like sobbing in prayer over my marriage. That night that I cried out, like, Lord, help me. Which, by the way, in marriage, that's a great prayer. Lord, help me. <laughs> Lord, help. But I think, about, I think about that night where I cried out, God, help and I was asking, I was asking for vision. And in that low point, God was speaking vision. Wesley, you're going to be a great husband. You don't see it yet, but you're going to be a great husband, Wesley. I see you leading a lot of other men to become great husbands. Wesley, I, I want to see you to to speak vision, to speak vision over people. Let me tell you, that night in my low point, in that pain, I felt anything but that. But I look back on that and I wonder that in my lowest, my lowest point in my marriage, I was closest to the revelation of what God wanted to accomplish with my life. I think sometimes we have to hit rock bottom to realize that God is the rock at that bottom. And You need to understand this this morning, that God never wastes your pain. He he never wastes your failure. He'll never waste any of that. And so the angel speaks over him and he says, The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. Let me give you something to take away this morning. You need to write this one down. The, uh, The low point of your story, that's often the birthplace of your purpose. The low point of your story is often the birthplace of your purpose. There's a gentleman who's a part of my in-law's church, and his name is Mel. And Mel has made uh, several decisions, and, and, and the low point of his story is that Mel uh, will need to serve, or has served now, a year in prison. And nearly every week while Mel has been in prison, he has uh, sent a hand handwritten letter to this pastor from prison. And from the outside, here's what this pastor's telling me that, that, that he's reading. You wouldn't believe the opportunities that are here in prison. That God is using me to lead a lot of men to prayer and to study of the Word of God. Let me just tell you something. The world looks at Mel and they speak over him. And they say, he's a prisoner. He's a convict. God speaks vision over him. Mel, you're a missionary for this next year. The low point of your story is often the birthplace. Of your purpose. If we continue to wallow in the pit of self pity, we will never experience that. And I know, I know how hard that pit like sucks you in, and I know what that's like. But this low point that you're in, what if God wants to leverage it to give birth? You know, here's the thing. What? what what you begin to understand is the vision of God, that God is birthing in you, that passion, that purpose that He's giving you. You got to understand that it's never really fully about your story. It's not just about you. You see, he, he, you got to know this: that, that God is going to leverage it, that that He's going to use it for the story of others. I love this statement from Larry Crabb. Uh, he, he's a Christian psychologist. And he writes this in his book, Connecting. And and I want you to look at these words on the screen. That that we connect with others when we enter into the battle for their souls. And when we envision what God may be doing in their lives. Let me tell you that God is is birthing vision for me in in the way that I lead my company. And, And one of the greatest responsibilities that I have is to awaken in the hearts of each of my team members, the vision that God has for their lives. I want God-sized vision for for them. I want God-sized vision for you. I want it for your education. I want it for your careers. I want it for your marriages. I want it for your parenting. I want it for every area of your lives, of you, in the lives of the people, in my company, in my circles, my friends. And that vision comes to a lost soul when they begin a relationship with the Heavenly Father. If you want that for them, your heart should just break for those lost. Every Monday morning, uh, I host this leadership uh, team uh, with the leaders from my company in my living room, and and we talk about goals, and we talk about like highs and lows of the week, and, and those things that are both personal and professional, and I cast vision over them every Monday morning, and I share a glimpse of who God is and how he applies to their lives every Monday morning. I'm just using that right where I am. And, and those guys, they cast vision over the rest of the team throughout the week. And so, so we've got to feel this transfer of responsibility when it comes to the vision of others around us to empower them living out the best that God has for them. You know, I carry this burden for those of you who are retired. Some of you in this room are retired. I hear you say you're busier now than what you were when you were were working. My vision for you is that you will dream bigger in retirement than you've ever dreamed before. That you will dream God-sized dreams with this season of life that you find yourself in. And I know that you might be thinking, like, all right, Wesley, like, it's time to wind down. I'm trying to relax. I'm getting too old for this. Like, you know, let me tell you something. What if this is a season of life that God blows you away with how He wants to use you? I pray that over you. I I, I want this for my parents. Uh, you know, I, I, I want... This, for each of you who are in this chapter of retirement, I want this church to be a place where you will discover that vision and you will experience the fullness of that vision in this season. And what I'm saying is this, is that just as I'm feeling the responsibility of sharing God-sized vision with you, just as God-sized vision has to transfer from me to the people I care about, this sense of responsibility for the vision has to transfer as well. This sense of responsibility for the vision has to transfer as well. This, this, this transfer, this, uh, this, this responsibility has to transfer to others. And listen to what Larry Crab says later on. A vision we give to others of who and what they can become has power when it echoes with the spirit that has already spoken into their souls. God has written eternity on our hearts, and and when we speak vision over the lives of others, we are affirming what God has already placed there. One of the things that that we tend to forget is that we were made in the image of God, and just as God is a vision caster, He has put the same thing in us to speak life and vision over the lives of others. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. I wonder this morning how many others uh, have, have people around us that God has positioned us there to speak life and vision over them and to encourage them, whatever you do, don't settle for less than the vision that God has birthed in your hearts. I shared last week how John 10.10 10 says, The enemy has come not but to steal and kill and destroy, but Jesus has come that, that we may have life and have it to the full. Don't you want to live in that fullness? Don't you want to see others experience that fullness, that vision? So let me tell you a little secret. Let me tell you a little secret about where the greatest place is in this church to experience what we're talking about this morning. The greatest place to experience this is in community with other believers. What we should strive to see here time and time again is for our groups here, our Sunday schools, to be places that God uses our leaders and our people to help give birth to and develop the vision of what He has already birthed and put into the hearts of our people. Our small groups, our Sunday school classes, are are the best places for care. They are incredible places to study the Word of God. They're incredible places to pray for one another. They're incredible places to build meaningful relationships and encourage one another. And they are absolutely, without a doubt, amazing places to navigate the low points of your story with one another. And what you will begin to find is that God uses these people, this, this community, these leaders, to both speak and clarify vision in your heart for what God has for you. He will use them to help you face your pain of your past and move forward into the future of God's purpose for your life. Small groups are the most incredible place to experience the, the birth of vision and the development of vision and the encouragement to run with the vision. There may be you know, some of you who, who are interested in leading a group. Maybe God's putting that on your heart this morning. And if you're interested in that, I would encourage you to follow that, what God's putting on you and you know maybe it's a sunday morning maybe it's it's a sunday school class you know maybe it's during the week in your home one afternoon with some people that are in similar seasons of life as you are and finally if you're not in a group today is a perfect day to like take that step come find me david buck larry hush any of these guys let us help you get connected Some of you know the name Henry Nowlin, who was a spiritual writer. He, he was a professor at many universities over his career, including Harvard University. But he talks about how he spent his entire life being very successful, and then following that, at his time, as his time was kind of winding down, like, like he hit the low point. He hit the low point in his life. He wrote, after many years of life in universities where I never felt fully at home, I had become a member of a community of men and women with disabilities. At precisely that time, I fell apart as if I needed a safe place to hit bottom. The low points are going to come. They have come. They will come. They happen to all of us. They're a part of every story. And I just want to encourage you to to make sure that you're plugged in and you're a part of a community where God uses that group of people to, to help heal you. But then also out of that, he helps to develop a vision and a purpose that he has for you in the low points of your story. We're going to look at our key point one more time this morning. And I want you to say it out loud with me. The low point of your story is often the birthplace of your purpose. Let's pray together. God, thank you for this morning, for this time that you've given us in your word, for the truth and the power of your word, God. And God, right now, I want to pray for the leaders in our small groups, in our Sunday school leaders in this church. God, guide their hearts and their minds, guide their relationships, Guard their marriages, Lord. Guard their families. And God, as you use them, I pray that you would use them to lead people to a greater knowledge of who you are. But God, I also commission them out as vision casters, as vision developers over our people. May our groups be be a place where, where vision is both birthed and where vision is realized. God, I pray that you do extraordinary things these people. And God, I, I thank you for them and for their commitments to you and, and love for you and their love to serve uh, and their love for their mission of our church to serve, to exalt and to equip. So Father, I lift them up before you now and I pray over them and I, and I commission them out. And then I, God, I pray most importantly for anyone that is here today that has never trusted you as Lord and Savior. May today be the day that they make that step into community, beginning with their relationship with you through your son, Jesus Christ. And God, I pray that you would bring them to a saving faith this morning and draw them in, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This morning, some of you have got some decisions to make. Maybe it's getting into a small group. Maybe it's building that community. You know, we're stronger together when the enemy comes to attack. No soldier fights from a place without a place of assurance. No soldier also goes into a battle alone. I want to invite you to come forward and and let your church family know what decisions that you want to make this morning. Let us pray with you. You can make that decision right where you are. I invite you to come as we sing. Please stand.
1: ¡Gracias!
0: morning uh, for the Holy Spirit to come and to to give us something special Um, and lo and behold he's been working in you all the way up to this point and he showed up in a mighty way Um, God put this all together today um, and we are here just lavished in his grace and his mercy with a message that changes our lives um, and that is being that is the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit and God in our lives. With great expectations, we seek Him because He is a great God. So, thank you, Wesley. We're gonna sing uh, "My Lighthouse" now as, as we depart. And um, anyway, uh, so yeah, Amen. Let's let's let me pr- let's pray, Lord God. I just, Lord, I just thank you for everything that you've said and that you've done and that you are in our lives and. Uh, the very special way that you've come and touched our lives here this morning, and you are indeed our lighthouse.
1: Ciao! And sing My God's love will lead me good. Yeah. You are the peace in my trouble sea oh. You are the peace in my trouble sin.